0: Bring him out and turn to Exodus chapter 20. You guys doing all right? Okay. That's good. I'm glad. Thank you. Um, the, uh, let me, um, let me tell you what, we're, we're going to start doing something different next week, okay? Meaning this. At the end of the service, after we have the invitation song response time, we're going to move into uh, a live kind of Q&A with the staff about the message. And so basically, if you have questions, you'll be able just to text those to us. We're not going to say who asked the question, but we'll, we'll, we'll answer the question live and we'll kind, of talk, we'll kind of debrief what it is. That idea came out of a couple of places. One, even after last week's message, there were numerous conversations that took place with the staff after, after church was over. And, uh, and there were great questions. The other part of that is is we're not traditionally doing our groups like we've done in the past where you would have a chance to kind of discuss questions related to the message. And so we thought we'd just try something different. And so we'll finish the sermon, have the, the response song, and then you guys will get a chance. We'll say, take out your phones and shoot us a couple questions, and a couple of staff members will stand on stage and try to answer those to the best of our ability based upon the message. If you ask us a question that's not tied to the message, We'll answer that via text message later, not during this time. Does that work? Okay. So the last couple of uh, – over the last, like, six weeks, I've had two things happen uh, to me. The first was um, I, Riker and I – I think it was Riker and I. could have been Keegan. So I've had COVID in the middle, so things are a little foggy. So, But we went to the store, we picked up some items, paid for them, walked back to the car, And as we were walking back to the car, I kept thinking to myself, that was really cheap for everything that I have in my bag. And I just kept thinking to myself, something's just not right. And so I got to the car, I opened up the bag, I looked at everything I had purchased, and I looked at the receipt and realized that they had only charged me for one of the items that I bought. And So I was like, "Okay," So I'm faced with a choice. A couple weeks ago, we went to go pick up our new dog. On the way back, we had to make a stop, went into a, a store, went in, had a few items, put them on the cash register counter, and the cash register, or she was uh, scanning everything, but she put something in my bag that she didn't actually scan. So she put it in, scanned the other things. I handed her my card, and I was faced with a choice. In both of these situations, I was faced with a choice. I can blame it on their mistake and walk out with something that I didn't pay for. Or I can do what's right. Well, listen, the flesh side of me is like, dude, they made a mistake. It's my lucky day today. But I knew with Riker or Keegan, whichever one it was, sitting in the back, that I had, an oper- I had, a, I had a more, there was more of a reason to show to do what is right. So Riker and I got out of the car. We walked back to the store. He's like, what are we doing? I was like, we didn't pay for all the items that we had. So I walked into the cash register. Same lady checked us out. I said, listen, you guys didn't charge me for everything I have in the bag. I want to make sure we pay for it. And then same situation with the cash register when she was scanning my bag at the other store. I said, you did not scan what's in the bottom of that bag. And she was like, are you sure? I was like, yes. In both of those situations, the cash registers were shocked that I came back or that I that I corrected them. And here's why they were shocked. Because most people in this world would just say that was their mistake and I'm going to move forward with it. Taking something that doesn't that doesn't belong to me that I didn't pay for. And so the the eighth commandment is in Exodus 20, it's probably one of the shortest verses in all of the Bible. So if you have your Bible in Exodus 20, we're going to read verse 15. It is, it is exactly four words. You shall not steal. And so I'm going to talk, I got three main points. We're going to talk about this eighth commandment. We're going to talk about how does this apply to you. Because if I'm a guessing person, everybody in this room, well, statistics would say that 90% of you would say that you've never broken the eighth commandment. Because evangelical Christians, when surveyed, 90% of them said they've never broken the Eighth Commandment. They've never stolen anything. And there's a problem with that statistic. It's not encouraging. Because theft and stealing take place in our American society all the time, and we participate in it too. And I'm going to talk some about some ways that this happens. So here's, the, here's point number one. If you've got your little sermon note sheet, or you've got a journal and you're taking notes, here, here's what it is. Do not steal. That's point number one. Okay? Simple. Those first four verse, verses of the Eighth Commandment, do not steal. So what is the definition of stealing? The Hebrew word is gana. It literally means to carry something away by stealth. I like that word, stealth. Like when I have to take my dog out in the middle of the night to, uh, to go use the bathroom, it's like stealth mode in our house. Because I got two boys that are sleeping that I would prefer not to wake up in the middle of the night. And so when I, when it's like stealth mode, like getting, out of, getting the dog out of his crate, getting out of our bedroom without waking up Laura, getting outside of the, the actual, into the backyard without doing, it's like stealth mode. I like stealth mode. But that's what stealing is, is we, we get creative in what we do, and we, we, we pull this little stealth mode off and take. And so what happens is this, is that we begin to look at someone else, what someone else has, whether it's a store or a person. We begin to look at what they have, and we begin to figure out, what are ways that I could get that? Man, how many of you have ever been in a place where you had, they had really good, like, pins, riding pins? And you're like, that's a really good pin. That pen doesn't belong to me, but I like that pen. So I put that pen in my pocket. By the way, I have like 65 pins in my truck. So I've broken the Eighth Commandment. I've definitely taken pens that were not. So I'm just being honest with you, okay? Stealth, right? Put that pen in your mouth. Nobody wants to touch that pen after it's been in your mouth. That's stealth mode. That's how you get things, right? We've all all been there and done that. The, The Heidelberg catechism summarizes the Eighth Commandment in this way. Listen closely. God forbids us not only out. He, God forbids not only outright theft and robbery, but also wicked schemes and devices such as false weights and measures. That doesn't mean a lot for us today, but back in the day, they had this measuring system. If you were buying something and people could, you know, make them uh, work in different ways to cheat you out of things. How about this? Deceptive merchandising or counterfeit money or usury, or basically charging Large amounts of credit, uh, or large amounts of interest on credit and things that people borrow. But listen, it's more than that. We must not defraud our neighbor in any way, whether by force or by show of right. In addition, God forbids all greed and all abuse or squandering of his gifts. 90%, like I said, of evangelical Christians say they've never broken this command, but listen, believers seem to forget what stealing really means. And the truth is is that theft is at every level of our society, and just like everyone else, we're in on that take. We like what the world offers, and we find ways to kind of take care of ourselves in the process. So let's talk about what types of theft there are. Let's just start with the ones that we are automatically thinking of. How about this? Theft, robbery, larceny, hijacking, shoplifting, pickpocketing, purse snatching, embezzlement, extortion, and racketeering. All of those things you go to jail for, okay? And everybody in this room, outside of like maybe when you were like five years old and you put candy in your pocket at the store and you didn't tell your parents, none of you have gotten in trouble for those, the, the, the depths of those crimes, right? Let me tell you a quick story. When I was young and elementary age kid, my mom, this is back in the day when like they used to leave their kids in the car and sometimes we rode in car seats and sometimes we did. You guys didn't get to experience that life, but I did. My mom left me in a car she went into the store. Well, I decided to go in the store with her. So I got out of the car, walked in with my elementary self, walked over to the candy aisle because that's what you do as a kid. Found the what used to be the candy cigarettes. They look like cigarettes. This is before there was like clean air acts and people actually smoked in restaurants. Okay? So I, would, I got the candy cigarettes and put them in my pocket. I went out, got in the car sat down in whatever seat I had in the car. I'm sure that uh, I had a car seat, but I, I wasn't meaning that I was necessarily buckled in it. Got in the car seat, whatever. My mom's driving down the road. I pull out the box of candy cigarettes, put one in my mouth like a cigarette. And my mom is like, what is that? Where did you get that? She drives me back to the store, told me to put the candy cigarette back in the box, made me walk back inside and tell them that I stole the candy cigarettes from there. That's a humiliating experience. I mean, I was like mortified walking back into that store. But listen, I never took another piece of candy from the store ever, right? So we've all had these moments where this has kind of taken place. So let's just talk about some of this, this list. Most of us haven't done those big things, but we have done things like this. How about go through public property and take things that maybe don't belong to us? How many of us have maybe been in a hospital or family's been in a hospital and we took things that maybe weren't ours? Or we've been in a hotel where we asked for extra shampoo that we didn't necessarily need because we could take it home and use it for a later trip. We stole things from the church. Citizens take from the government by underpaying their taxes or making false claims for disability and Social Security. Listen, the government can steal on a national scale from us by wasting public money Accumulating debt without fully planning to repay it. are theft at work. How about this? Employees filling out time cards that aren't actually the time that they worked. They call in sick when they just want a day off. They help themselves to office supplies or pad expense accounts. Some of you high school kids that are working, this is going to get with you real, I'm going to get up in your mess real fast here. That workers are idle with their time by simply. Playing on their phones or on their computers by scrolling the internet, checking social media, giving less than their best effort, and rob their employee of their productivity. Their employer of their productivity. We can go, we can go into sports. How many of you guys are loafing through practice, giving less of your best effort to your coaches and to your teammates, robbing them of the productivity that you could bring to make them better? Their staff tied up in credit. Lending money but charging high interest rates. Things like price gouging. This summer, when the whole quarantine thing was happening, I tried to buy an inflatable pool for my backyard. You know, one of those, like, little 8-foot inflatable pools? You're talking $30 max in normal times. Amazon was selling them for $150. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I almost bought one because I wanted, to, I wanted to, the boys to have something to do outside of the house that bad, Okay? Listen, price gouging, false advertising, deceptive packaging, insurance fraud, theft of intellectual property, how about violation of copyrights? You ever duplicated music and videos? <clears throat> Taking some music that you didn't actually pay for and made it as your own? How about this, when we when we don't tithe from the money that we've made and we don't give God our 10%, we we are breaking we're breaking the 8th commandment, robbing God of what belongs to him. When we fail to give God our best of our time and our talents, we're robbing God. And we break His law and deny Him when we choose not to to be obedient to what He calls us to do. See, every single one of the Ten Commandments is some form of theft. When you bow down to idols, you steal God's worship. When you desecrate the Sabbath and you don't set aside a day to worship Him, you steal His holy day. When you murder, it steals life. When you commit adultery, it steals purity. When you lie, it steals truth. The real theft is that every sin we commit dishonors God and steals the glory that our lives ought to give Him. Did you hear that? The real theft is that every sin we commit dishonors God and steals the glory that our lives ought to give Him. So some of you might ask, what's actually wrong with stealing when it occurs so frequently in our society? That cash registers are shocked when people actually do the right thing and pay for the stuff that they, that they messed up on. It's because it, there's spiritual significance to this commandment. When you take something that doesn't belong to you, when you take something that doesn't belong to you, you not only rob God, but you also rob your neighbor. Hence, that's why Ten Commandments, that's why this, this thing is called love God, love others, right? Because this this is a sin that can affect both your relationship with God and your relationship with others. And it's a sin in two ways. Here it is. When we fail, when we steal, we fail to trust God's provision in our lives. Basically, when I decide to take it on my own to kind of fulfill whatever need or satisfaction that I think I have, I, I take it upon myself and then I begin to say that God can't provide what I need. Now most of you in here don't have very many needs. Your families take good care of you. Everything that you could ever want, you have. But there, there are needs within side of you that you try to find and take from other people. Some of you need the, the acceptance from other people. You do things to get those things from, from, the, from those people, kind of taking from them what doesn't necessarily, necessarily belong to you. And listen. Keeping the Eighth Commandment is a practical way to show that you have faith in God's providence, that He will take care of you, and that He will provide what you need. It's also a sin when we steal because we assault God's provision for others. This robs what God has provided someone else. The Eighth Commandment confers the right of ownership. Listen, God has given people the right to own private property. Only something that someone owns can be stolen from them. And listen, the reason why anyone in this room has anything is because God gave it to you. So we do not have the right to take something for ourselves that God gave to someone else. Right? So if, if the Eighth Commandment is about do not steal and it's about all these types of thefts and it's a much broader knowledge than just robbing somebody in the middle of the night or holding somebody at gunpoint, If it's more than that, it's also this. You're to be a good steward. Now that's a word that we don't necessarily use in our teenage vocabulary very much, but let's talk about what stewardship is. A steward is someone who cares for someone else's property. A steward recognizes that he is not free to use as he pleases, but is to manage it according to how his master told him what to do. So it looks like this you've been giving something to, to you by your parents. Let's just say your cell phone for that matter. Your parents have provided you a cell phone. That cell phone, ultimately the funds that bought that cell phone belong to God. But that phone actually belongs to your parents unless you paid for it personally. And it belongs to you. And when they give it to you, then you are to use the phone in the way that they intended you to use the phone. Does this make sense? I don't use my phone however I think it's best that I use it. I use the phone in the way that it was intended for me to use it. So if I'm to step off in your world a little bit, it would be something like this. I would not use my phone to try to look up pornography because that's not what my parents intended me to use this phone for. I would not use my phone to type a cyberbullying message and try to destroy somebody's character and life through, through a screen because that's not how my parents intended me to use this phone. I would not use this phone to talk bad about my parents behind their back. Do, do we see the picture? What God has given us we have to be a good steward of. I need to use it just the way that He intended me to use it. So, when He's given me money, how can I use this money the way that God wants me to use it? When He's provided the clothes and the food and there's an abundance of it, how can I use that in the way that God has intended me to use it? Because you're a steward of it, you're a manager of what He's given us. And this is is so important because we as believers have to understand that God has given us a sacred trust. The things that He's given you and your family is a sacred trust. He's entrusted you with those things. And you are to use them, to care for, like to look after them, to make sure that it's taken care of. And then, listen, you have to understand that ultimately it belongs to Him. I'll never forget when I caught my mom and dad's kitchen cabinets on fire cooking Pop Tarts in the toaster. I don't know what happened, it was the toaster's fault, okay? I put the Pop Tarts in, hit it, walked out, came back in the kitchen, and there was fire shooting out of the toaster, smoke billowing in the kitchen, and I was like, I got no idea what to do. I ran and I, I left it, by the way. I was a teenager. I, I knew like to like stop, drop, and roll and throw water on it. There was a fire extinguisher under there. But I ran to my mom and was like crying for help. And I'll never forget in that conversation because I felt horrible that these cabinets, these beautiful cabinets now had smoke and it had literally peeled the lacquer off, off of them. I'll never forget my parents' response. Because, you know, I expected to be like in deep trouble. And their response was, hey, what, what, this house belongs to the Lord. And we, we'll be able to fix it and take care of it, and it's no big deal. And it, that's, that was impactful to me because, because if they saw it as the, their own, who knows what their response would have been. But they saw it in a greater light. And so there are a couple things about being a good steward I want to teach you about. One, take care of what has been given to you. Some of you will get a car one day. Take care of it. Some of you have been given something you need, like in a musical instrument, or uh, your parents bought you a lawnmower so you can mow your own lawn, okay, whatever. You've been given something, take care of it. Don't let it fall into despair. Don't be wasteful with what God's given you and don't squander your money. What's an example of squandering your money? Let's put it this way. How about gambling? Do you know that people tend to spend more money in a casino than they do on food and clothes? That's what I would call squandering money. When basic needs get neglected because we have have some other aspect that we want to fill in our life. How about this? Practice hard work. The Bible's specific about work. We even see it in the creation that God tasked Adam with work to do. Proverbs speaks about this, that laziness often leads to poverty. Now listen, it's not the only thing that leads to poverty. There's a lot of other circumstantial things that we're not going to talk about with that. But laziness often leads to poverty. When we don't want to work hard, we fall into laziness. And and so then when laziness happens, it leads us to poverty because we're not making money to take care of our things. And then when we get in poverty, this is what happens in poverty. We're tempted to steal because we don't have what we need. So the way that we avoid this is we work hard for honest gain to become financially independent. And then the third thing about being a good steward is this. Give away what God has given you. This is the hardest thing, especially among teenagers who often are receivers of a lot of things. Give away what God has given you. God asks us to give away what has been given to us so that others can have what they need. Jerry Bridges points out three attitudes that people take towards possessions. Here they are. What is yours is mine, so I'll take it. That's the attitude of a thief. What is mine is mine, so I'll keep it. That is the selfish attitude. And the third attitude is, what is mine is God's, so I'll share it. And that is the godly attitude. Christians are called to be generous. Working to provide for others, not solely focused on simply satisfying their own desires. When is the last time that you were generous? With time, with talent, with money, to other people. Because what God has given you and your family should be used to help meet the needs of other people. Now, does God intend you to give everything away? No. He wants. He, he's given you what you need to, to care for the needs of your family and for those closest to you. But He's also given us plenty of abundance. And out of that abundance, we should be giving in generosity, not storing it up for ourselves. Where your treasure goes, your heart tends to follow. Students, listen to this. If you put all of your treasure into your stuff, phones, sports, your house, a man cave, cars, exercise, equipment and rooms and gym memberships, your clothing and material possessions, guess what? Your heart is going to go there. I'm guilty of it. I used to beg my parents for certain shoes and certain brands of clothing because I thought it was so important that I had those things. And now that I'm in a grown adult with children myself, I begin to realize the financial sacrifices that my parents made to get me those things because I thought they were so important to have. And you know where all of that stuff is right now? In the garbage Some of the stuff that you are so fixated on right now that you want so bad will be rubbish in 10 years. It'll be trash in 10 years. So what am I asking you to do? This is what I'm asking you to do. Good stewardship starts with caring for your family. And then it it extends to the church and to the global work of the gospel. So we're going to take care of the needs of our family and what our family needs. Your parents are doing this for you. They're providing this for you. Then the next step comes. We're going to give God money back to him or resources back to him or time back to him so that we can serve through the local church and continue to share the gospel with people and take the gospel to places that need it. A.W. Tozer would say this. Any temporal possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched into immortality. Meaning this, the only money you can ever count on seeing again is money we invest in the kingdom of God. Somebody emailed me during COVID and said, Hey, False Creek was so influential in the life of my student when they were in the student ministry. The student's been out for many years. And we've come to realize that some scholarships were given to cover and take care of our, our kid and their friends that go to camp. And they said, we would like to give scholarships back so that, uh, so that the, the legacy can continue. And I was like, what do we need to do? I told them what they need to do. Listen. I was shocked at how many scholarships they provided. We're talking hundreds of kids who will go to camp for longer than some of you will be in youth ministry here. Because out of the abundance, they said, we have what we need, and we see that we want to invest in the next generation, and we want them to experience God at False Creek, and we want to provide a way for them to do it, and they gave. Listen, students. The only money you'll ever count on seeing again is what you invest in the kingdom of God. A failure to make such an investment is to break the Eighth Commandment, and it takes us to the final point of the good news of the Gospel. God takes sin very seriously. In Joshua chapter 7, there's a story about a guy by the name of Achan. He He was a um, military soldier guy who was walking with the Israelites and they, you know you guys know the story of Jericho right marched around Jericho seven times what happened walls fell down they were victorious right there were some instructions given though that when the walls fall down you don't take any of the spoils of victory it all belongs to the Lord and so everything went to plan walls fell down cheered Israelites had, had conquered their first person in the promised land. And then one guy by the name of Achan convinced himself of this. I'm a soldier. I'm working hard. I deserve a little bit of pay back. So he took a little bit of silver, he took a little bit of gold, and he took some fancy clothes. And this, is the, this is the thing about stealing things. What did he do with them? He ran back to his tent, Duck a hole, and he buried them Because you can't wear things that you steal. He couldn't come hanging with the gold out of his pockets. He couldn't be wearing the fancy clothes because everybody would know what. He stole it. So he steals it, and he thinks he gets away with it. So Joshua and them, they're ready to battle in the next battle. So he, said, he decides, I'm not going to have to take the whole army. I'll send a small group. We'll defeat him. God's with us. They go out and make the battle, and guess what happens? They get obliterated. And everybody's shocked. What happened? Here's something you need to learn about sin. Sin, oh, your, your sin always affects other people, not just you. They realize there's sin in the camp, so Joshua calls the entire nation. He calls the entire nation out. You know what Achan's got to think, right? A million people, no way they'll find out that I'm the one that took that stuff. And then they cast some lots, and they say, hey, the tribe of Judah step forward. Aiken probably got a little bit of nervousness in his stomach. You guys ever been there when you're about to get in trouble? You kind of know, like, oh, gosh, I'm about to puke, right? None of you guys ever been in trouble like that? Only me, growing up. I still get that way sometimes with my dad. When he calls me, I'm like, is everything all right, dad? You know, so, like, right? Okay? Then he says, hey, if you're from the descendants of whatever name it is, step forward. Well, guess what? That's his grandfather. So now that's getting tighter, Probably by this time his face turns, starts to turn white. Knees start to shake. Then they say, hey, if you're from the line of the father of, of this person, step forward, and guess who that is? That's his father. So he's whittling it down. And when he gets down to the family unit, basically your immediate family, he goes around the circle and then determines that it's Aiken. Ask Aiken, did you steal it? He's like, yes. Go back to my tin. It's in this hole. And they go, he tends people to go get it, grabs it. And this is what happened. Joshua made him publicly confess his sin before the whole nation of Israel. And then they all picked up stones and they killed him. Aren't you glad that... It, listen, I'll just be really honest. When I sold those candy cigarettes, I'm glad that the whole town of Inola did not come out of stone. Them. But I make a joke of that because of this. God takes sin very seriously. And listen... Why would God treat Achan so harshly? He did it to make an example of him. But he also did it to remind everyone that God is holy and he wants his people to be holy. It was a matter of justice. Achan was guilty of breaking the eighth commandment he had stolen for God. And listen, he robbed God of his glory. And this is a warning to anyone who steals anything that belongs to the Lord. We cannot use our money for ourselves only. We have got to give it back to God because everything that belongs everything belongs to Him and He gives us freedom to use it. But He also calls us to give it for His work in the Gospel. But listen, God takes sin seriously but He also forgives sin graciously. Let me ask you a question now that we've talked through this. Are you a thief? Now please don't walk home, walk in your house and be like, I'm a thief, Mom and Dad. Because then they're going to go like... Oh my goodness, what did you steal? Right? But are you a thief? See, one of the benefits of the study of the Ten Commandments is that they confront us with our sin. We discover that we cannot keep one, a single one of the commands on our own. They reveal to us that we need the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross, that he rose again from the grave, and that everyone who places their belief in him will experience eternal life, forgiveness, forgiveness, and and be able to accomplish the things that God wants through Jesus. But have you ever thought about this? Who did Jesus die between? Who are the two people on each side of Jesus? How were they described? Thieves. What if I was to tell you on that day there were three thieves? Two of them died because of their own crimes. They had stolen from people. They had tried to find fulfillment and life, and they had stolen from them. One of them, he took your sin upon himself. And he died in your place so that every thief who would trust in him in the future could have eternal life and be forgiven. The first thief was saved hanging on a cross next to Jesus. One ridiculed him and died in his own sin and spent eternity separated from him. The other thief recognized that there was something about Jesus that he offered that I've spent my whole life looking for and trying to steal to get, and Jesus alone is the one. he said, Jesus, please remember me. And Jesus told him, you'll be with me in paradise. And in that moment, Jesus reoriented a thief's life. To now be fixated upon Jesus. And listen, he helped him see that only in Christ would he finally find what he's looking for. So, what is the eighth commandment about? It's this there is nothing in this world that will satisfy you like Jesus. So, don't try to take and steal and rob rob God of what his glory is. Solely fix your eyes upon him. So, what do you do with it? Don't steal. And be a good steward of everything that God will give you. Some of you have things right now that you can give to other people. Some of it's just time. I read a story about a middle school kid. I'll close with this. Middle school kid. My hometown. New kid moved into the district. Because he's got some, there's some needs that he has that he'll never be one of the popular kids. It's just that way. Sitting by himself in a lunchroom. And this, this is recent in the whole COVID world, sitting by himself in the gym where, they, where they're eating their lunch. And two kids gave their time to someone else. Man, how many of us are guilty of this? I like my friends and I like my people, and I, I want to be with them. But they gave their time because they had it, sat down next to that kid. this is what the principal wrote about that kid. He will now have a smoother transition into a new school because of what your two kids did today. What do you have that God has given you that you can give to meet the needs of other people? And when we change our perspective in that way, it changes how we live our life. Because I can tell you what you have. Jesus. And I can tell you that... 98% of the teenagers that are running around Edmond and northwest Oklahoma City don't don't have him. Let's pray. Listen, if you are here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've you, you literally have tried to find fulfillment in everything else and you hear this message tonight and you're like, dude, I understand that I have robbed God of some things and he's confronting my sin and I need to trust in him and fix my eyes upon him. If that's you, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to raise your hand. I know that that's me. I'm looking around, nobody else is looking, it's just me. You know you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you know that you need to get that right. Raise your hand. Two more seconds. And I'm going to make the assumption that the rest of you know Jesus personally. So then I'm going to ask you this question. What sin is in your life that needs to be confessed? What sin is in your life that needs to be confessed? And before you stand and sing a worship song, you confess that sin to the Lord and get yourself right with God. And last, Do you have something you can give to somebody else in the next 24 hours? Do you have something that you can give to somebody else in the next 24 hours? And You ask God to show you who you need to give it to, and you tell God, I'll do it. God, I'll I'll do whatever you call me to do, whenever you call me to do it. And let's see what kind of difference might be made by us giving away something that we have so that other people can have what they need. Jesus, I pray that through the power of your spirit, you'd be glorified in us and through us. God, I pray you'd convict us of any sin in our life where we realize we might be robbing you of something. And Father, I pray that we would just trust in you to meet our needs. Father, I pray that we'd be generous with what you've given us and what you've given our families and that we would give so that others might have what they need. And God, I pray through that work that the gospel would be spread. Most importantly, God, I pray that these students would give their friends and their peers and their moms and their dads and their brothers and their sisters, I pray that they would give them the good news of Jesus Christ. And that we'd see many people saved. And we pray this in your name. Amen.